Hi, I'm Ryan Gold, and you're listening to Glory Days of Gold. Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. And welcome to this week's episode of Glory Days of Gold, your East Fife and Scottish football podcast. I'm Lee Gillis. I'm Doug Perry. I'm Gordon Henderson. So we're back to the, the tripod, the original three legs of the stand. Um, I say the original because, you know, Michael um, is a bit of an enigma these days, but he will be back from next week. Um, Michael just got some some pretty awful news about his dog that's that's not been very well. And we're all thinking of you, Mike, and hope to have you back on the show in the coming weeks. We've got a fair bit to talk about. Um, obviously, we've had um, two two games since we last played, a draw and a defeat. Um, we've managed to secure one of the club's biggest legends to come and do a, a live Q&A slash podcast with us, which will be amazing. Um, Scotland have made it to the playoffs for the World Cup and loads, loads more. But before we go into that, as always, let's have a word from this week's sponsors. East Fife Community Football Club is proud to sponsor Glory Days of Gold. Keep up to date with all our community programmes through our Facebook and Twitter pages. There are classes available for every age and ability, from toddlers to walking football. Just search East Fife Community Football Club. Today's podcast is brought to you by John W. Gilbertson Limited, a small, friendly, family firm of solicitors based in Glenrothes, who specialise in buying and selling residential property, wills, powers of attorney and executory work. On your team, on your side, supporting you all the way to achieve your goals. Well, it is a football show after all. Thanks as always to the East Fife Community Football Club and to John W. Gilbertson in Glenrothes for the continued support. It's been amazing. And speaking of support, before we go into anything, um, absolutely delighted to announce that after two days of sales, the Steve Archibald's um, evening has sold out. Um, we had 90 tickets and they went literally just over 48 hours, which <coughs> I'm absolutely delighted about. Gordon, Doug, neither of these are going to make it either. Yeah, it's, uh, I'm, I'm in Spain for the last tournament of the year, um, which is devastating, because my, my brother had messaged me and said, oh, I'll come through and stay at yours, have a few beers and go along. But no, uh, great work from you, getting that done. It's quite a... Actually, even the fact that David Tanner's kind of hosting it's quite cool as well. No, I'm sure it'll be fantastic, and hopefully... Will it be recorded for...? Yes. It's actually something so, I was um, going to talk about. So the, the show itself's in conjunction with obviously East Fife FC and East Fife TV. Um, had a great bit of help in, in getting this organised quite quickly from the club. I wanted to ensure that the club were involved and obviously making sure that Stevie had the chance to, to come back to Methyl, come and see the new stadium, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah, the, the David Tanner thing, how that came around, when I'd see, basically Steve's doing an event in Edinburgh uh, with obviously Hibs. Um, and I luckily he follows me on Twitter, so I sent him a, a quick DM and just said, "Look, I noticed that you're in Edinburgh. Um, how would you fancy coming through to to Fife and and doing a show with us?" He put me in touch with David Tanner, um, who's organising the event with him in Edinburgh. So speaking to David Tanner and to a guy called Colin, who's the events company that are sort of dealing with two and three us, managed to, to hash out a plan fairly quickly. It took a couple of days. Um, got the event live and then sold in 48 hours so to, to answer your question yes the, the show will be recorded by EFTV we're looking at options to potentially broadcast it in the same way that we would broadcast the game so that people that haven't managed to get a ticket or perhaps are going to be overseas etc will be able to, to buy the stream and watch it 
or even watch it at a later date. So if they've not managed to see it but want to, to watch it, then we're looking at ways in which we could get people the, to, to pay for that and watch it because it will not be coming out as a podcast, unfortunately, because um, we weren't allowed to do that. But hopefully as a, as a stream, you'll, you will be able to do that. So you're in Uruguay, Gordon, which is the most random thing I've heard for a while. Yeah, I'm going out to Uruguay on the 11th of December for um, five weeks. Nice. So, uh, a, wee, a wee bit gutted that I'll miss the, the evening with Steve Archibald, but, you know, um, going to Uruguay where it's summer and having a wee sangria on the beach will probably make up, go some way to make up for it. So That's a lie. Um, <laughs> and why Uruguay? Oh, uh, my girlfriend's from Uruguay, so she's going back to see her mum and dad and family and stuff like that, so I'm tagging along. More importantly, you have a girlfriend? <laughs> <laughs> Controversial. I, I thought it was just that plastic one that we normally see blown up behind you on the shows, but no, oh. an actual living, breathing one. No, we're both of them. Ah, perfect. Uh, multitasker, eh? Gordon Henderson, womanizer. Um, but no, that's great, man. And look, you know, although um, Uruguay sounds great, I don't think it'll be quite as good as, as having Archie God back in Methyl. But just wanted to say a quick thank you to, to everybody who bought a ticket. Looking forward to seeing you all on the night. Um, David Tanner will be hosting the event. For those of you that have bought a meet and, meet and greet ticket, they'll get a, a professional photo taken there and then and a print out of it on the evening as well. Um, those of you that haven't bought a meet and greet ticket I'm sorry but it's part of the contract sort of thing there'll be no selfies or, or autographs or anything like that we had to, to be quite restrictive because otherwise um, Stevie would be there all night but if you've got any questions about the event you bought a ticket just fire us a message on Twitter or email us loadedisgold at gmail.com so moving on to the football side of things Gordon we watched the Queen's Park game Doug did you catch any of the highlights? I saw the highlights uh, of both actually um, Good. but yeah that's that was the, my limit to it all well through it all you offer me protection you've always been an angel to me Doug but we'll move on to the game itself there's a bit of a Robbie Williams joke to get in nice and early hope you appreciate one, that one, I thought so I thought so see how many Robbie Williams puns I could uh, get in between now and the end of the show we'll try and keep a tally so Queen's Park game Gordon was a bit of a strange one. Like I, I don't know what I expected from Queen's Park, but given their sort of recent form, I was expecting them to be sort of flying out the traps and sort of trample all over us, but it was far from that. Um, you know, the game was pretty even, I would say, but both sides had some some pretty good chances. But for me, like I, I actually said to my dad, who was watching me at the time, like you realise that we're going to concede with five minutes to go um, and we'll lose this 1-0. He's like, nah, 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 nah. Like, you know, we're, we're, we're defending really, really well. That's not going to happen. And then lo and behold, we concede that. And it actually felt like a gut punch. Yeah, exactly. Um, I agree with what you're saying. It was, Queen's Park had a lot of possession. And you can see that they, you can see the quality they do have. But, um, you know, in terms of creating chances, it was pretty equal. Um, I thought we played really well, kept them out very well. But I just as they were taking that corner, I got. I had. I, I kind of got this sinking feeling in my stomach. Like, you know, we've played so well. I'll take the point. But I was like, oh, this. You know, just had a bad feeling, and then they scored exactly for that corner. Um, did not expect us to come back into it at that that stage. And to be honest, it was absolutely fucking brilliant when we got that equaliser. Uh, and I think we deserved it. I think we played really well. Really gutsy performance. Um, yeah, deserving of the point. And we, and we did create chances. It was not backs to the wall all day. Yeah. And there was a lot of defending going on, but we did get forward and did create chances. So very, very good performance. Yeah, I, th- I thought that the Queen's Park performance was arguably one of our best of the season in terms of, you know, our movement. You know, I thought we, we played really well. I thought we defended as a unit. We attacked as a unit. You know, Doug's talked a bit about, you know, having players that love defending, love tackling and, and putting everything on the line. And that was one of the first times this season that I've really, really seen, you know, players were throwing themselves in, in front of shots. People, players were, you know, really doing their best to close down. And I thought Liam Newton had a brilliant game. Um, again in the, the Queen's Park one and when that Keen Miller goal went in honestly um, celebrated that more than I think I have any other goal this season I think purely because 
you know, we really felt like we got we deserve something out of it, hundred percent. And look, it was only a point, but it was a point off the team at that point that we're top of the league. And then we moved on to this week, and you're playing the team that's at the top of the league again. Now, I'm sure that a couple of weeks ago, if you'd said we'd take a point out of these two games, we'd probably have said. Yeah, um, given the form that we'd we'd been on, I think in the last few weeks we've we've been in some excellent form, and there's def we're definitely showing signs of turning the corner. But then again, yesterday, um, the first forty five minutes, I thought that we were just totally and utterly under the cosh. Yeah, certainly first forty five, Airdrie were good, and to me, I thought Airdrie were a better team than Queens Park looked. I thought Airdrie by far really, really dangerous, really good. Um, really good on the ball got forward really really quickly put us under a lot of pressure and we did struggle with that at times in the first half um, saying that we probably should have went in level after the, the great chance that we had um, got better in the second half um, but for me you know, I'm not too disappointed in in the defeat yesterday we, we, we could have nicked it I don't think we really would have deserved it in the same way as we did the Queen's Park game um, but for me, I thought Airdrie looked very good. Uh, they're top of the league. They're the form team in the league. Uh, and I think we, we put in a pretty decent performance. Like, I think that's, you know, we're bottom, we're bottom of the table and we can't, you know, you can't go and expecting too much for these for these these types of games. But I thought um, the performance they put in was good. And I, I felt like you play like that against most of those teams in the league, you're going to get something. Um, yeah, so I was really happy with that. I mean, you just had to like. Obviously, you seen Gallagher was on the team sheet, and you're like, right, go. Um, it's going to come from somewhere. His goal involvement against us is more than against any other team in the league. He absolutely loves playing against us, and see when it was him that was through, I was just like, oh, anybody but him. You know, literally anybody but him or Easton, and you think, right, Jude's got a chance here, but he, he smashes that past Jude, you know. You, and one of the things that I actually looked at was Jude's positioning. Because at, at the first glance, when I watched it, I was like, could he have been closer to that? Could he have saved that? And you actually see the, the from the East Face TV footage, he moves to the left to try and close that gap. But I think the sheer power that was behind it, you know, meant that he was, he was never going to get anywhere near it. I mean, that first 45 minutes, I was screaming, screaming at Darren because the amount of space that Craig Watson had down his side. And I mean, look, we know what Craig Watson could do. He's very, very good on the ball. He can cross the ball. He could beat a player. And Pat against Craig was a, a total mismatch. But to be fair, at times, Pat's a, a mismatch against anybody. Um, I felt really sorry for Danny Denham yesterday, um, who I, th- I think has been, you know, after Doug's shout of being playing wing back. Um, has done a pretty good job of that, but I think I read um, that he was maybe carrying a wee knock, which would maybe explain um, why he wasn't on, but I thought that really that left-hand side once more was was getting battered and, you know, you would see Frizzle drifting out to that side, you would see um, Easton drifting out to that side and ultimately, you know, Easton comes across, picks the ball up um, towards the, the left-hand side, it wasn't actually on it, um, and then plays that through ball but I think McManus gets essentially a toe on it but all that happens at that point is it literally puts it right into the path of Gallagher Yeah I think looking back on it um, you're wanting you're wanting McManus to get more on that and you can see his reaction he knows that yeah. afterwards he's kind of slumped on the ground I thought you know McManus moved back into the back three when Chris Higgins came off injured in the second half, Mark, and I thought he had a good game, and I thought he largely had a good game yesterday. But you are looking at it again, where it's a, it's a makeshift back three in terms of you've got McManus in there, who's not a defender. You've got Murdoch playing on the left, and it's his first game back, and he's a right footer. So you know, it just feels that like again, there's you know, there's we've got we've got people missing, and we're kind of having to reshuffle a little bit. So. I think, you know, you kind of a wee bit, we cut a wee bit of slack there, definitely. Um, but yeah, left hand side definitely. Frizzle and Watson on their right were getting a lot of a lot of space, a lot of joy. Um, but you know, that's it's what we see. It's what we see a lot. Um, 
And, you know, I think particularly yesterday, there was maybe reasons why that was going to be the case as well. Yeah, definitely. Doug, just to, to bring you into the conversation, if we're looking at positives, certainly two games, one of which away to the league leaders, two goals conceded is a, a massive, massive improvement from, from what we've seen in recent weeks. It looks like the change of formations made a big difference. Um, but again, you know, we're still at the bottom of the table. We had the chance to, to, to really put pressure on the teams above us, um, which we've missed. But more importantly, bef- bef- and before we go on and talk about it, like uh, just next week is as a six-pointer, 100%. But surely if, if we're looking at positives, then you've got to think, you know, that we are conceding less and we are tightening as a unit. I think it's a massive positive. I think if you'd said four or five weeks ago that we'd have gone to Queen's Park, drawn one all and sort of relatively narrowly lost to Airdrie who are top of the league you would probably thought we were a bit mental because we were conceding goals for fun it's been very interesting watching it from afar just in terms of because like was Dan Higgins was he on the bench on Saturday yeah must be interesting for him having a centre midfielder start in front of him in defence I think he's carrying a knock as well is he right okay to be fair Um, Yeah, look, I think we're we've not had great luck this season with injuries and whatnot, and it's it has seemed to be defenders in general. We seem to be picking up knocks quite a lot, so we've not we've never really had a settled back three or four all season, no. which makes a big difference. But I would say if you look at it now, I, I don't think we look like a team that's lacking fight or you know not up for the job. You know, and this time next week, hopefully, if we've managed to beat Clay, we're no longer bottom of the league and you start looking up the way again. So yeah. I think credit to the players and, and Darren as well, because I wouldn't say they've turned it around, but they're getting there in terms of turning it around. So, you know, it's like that canal boat that got stuck between the two big rocks and we're kind of just at that point now. Or I don't know if you remember that scene in Austin Powers when he's in that little car and he's just like kind of moving back and yeah. forward very, very slowly. I kind of feel like that massively describes East Fife at the moment that we're, we are making movements, but still not anywhere enough that we need to be. But, but I think you, that they think... Got, you've got to remember that it was only three or four weeks ago we were seven points off yeah. third bottom or whatever it was now. So, I mean, whether it's been other teams as well... well I think the have lost seven in a row. Yeah. I think I've seen but the other day. Only, so we're in the mini league of four. But when you're like that, you don't need to win every week. You don't need to win or draw every week. You just need to be picking up the occasional win. Do you know what I mean? Which will, which will make a big difference. When everyone's struggling, you don't need you don't need to be winning every game. Obviously, that would help. But we no, just need think, to be teams around us. Yeah, I, th- I think no. look, we've got we've got a bit of revenge to do for Clyde for the when they came and beat us at Bayview in a game that we talked about as being huge, but. Yeah, it's a massive game on Saturday and hopefully, as I say, if we can, it'll be quite a turnaround if we're off the bottom this time next week. Yeah, I mean, really, like you were saying there, the games against Peterhead, Dumbarton and Clyde, every one of them between now and the end of the season is a cup final. And that, I know that is a massively overused analogy, but it's it's got to be true, Gordon, that those are the games that we look at that we've got to be like, right, as long as we win those, we will not go down. Yeah, big time. I mean, if you look at, um, you know, the Cove game, that was the first game of the second quarter. And obviously that was a, you know, that, that that's probably signalled the start of a bit of that turnaround. And if you look, we've, we've played five games, including that one, four against the top four teams. So we played Dumbarton at home, beat them. Brilliant. That's what we need to do. And aside from that, we've played the top four. Now we beat Cove, we drew Queen's Park, we got beat by Montrose, we got beat by Edry. That's fine, you know. If if you're what if you're, nine, yeah. If if you're taking, you know, the odd win, the odd draw against the top four teams, and you make sure that you're winning the majority of your games against the teams at the bottom, will will move up. And you you see it. You look at the form table, um, you know, we're we're sort of mid table in that, um, and that you know that's all we need right now. We just need we just need to be picking up wins. Kind of regularly, not not every week. You know, we will lose games, 
we all draw games, but yeah, these these games against Clyde, um, and we've got we've also got a game against Peterhead coming up soon, and then I think we've got home games against Falkirk and Alloa, which you know they'll be tough, but I think the way we're playing right now, they're winnable. They're games we can you know the next four games to me are games we can pick up points from. Now we don't need to go and win all four, but you know if we pick up a decent number of points for those four, we'll be in a, a good position. I think I mean, that's I, the thing is. Well, there's a slight feeling for me that we're getting back to that Bayview being a difficult place for teams to come. I mean, I know obviously we lost yesterday, but I I, I would I fancy us to have a decent run at home in terms of, you know, the majority of them being positive results. Away from home, we know we have issues. <laughs> but I, that's no. all you need. That, no, 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 we don't. That, that's, that's all you need, dude. Like we're saying, you don't you don't need to win every home game, but if you're not if you're limiting the losses and you're picking up points and occasional wins, that's that's more than enough to see us safe this year. Sorry, Doug, this is where you're going to be a little bit left out because although the energy result on paper at one 0 doesn't look an awful result, Jude Smith made some absolutely incredible saves, and I'm like I'm not talking about like I don't think Gallagher saves those any of them at all, um, particularly the, the header in the first half, how he got down so quickly to keep that out is up there with some of the best saves that we've seen at Bayview. And and I just want to talk a bit about Jude Smith. And, and we've done this a few times recently, but he's slowly becoming a top, top Division One keeper. Now, I know we've extended his contract and I would actually be concerned that we might lose him at some point because... If, you know, for example, one of the the Twitter pages ran a poll about the best League One player yesterday and he gets a mention in that and it's only so long before these sort of conversations start coming out and scouts start coming to watch him. And if we got a good offer for him financially, I'm sure we would take it because I'm sure Darren would probably go, yeah, we'll take the money, we'll reinvest it and, you know, Gallagher's there. Um, so, But I really hope that's not the case because I personally think that, that Smith's got the... You know, when I think about some of the really good keepers that we've had at Bayview down the years, Liam Kelly, Scott Fox, Mark Ridgers, he certainly could easily fit into that mould over the coming years. Yeah, Smith has, I mean, we already talked before on previous podcasts about how, how good we think he is. In the last two games, he's been fantastic, particularly the Airdrie game. And people will start noticing that. I think, you know, he's, he's still only played a handful of games. Um, but I think... Teams from higher up, they'll start, they'll start hearing the name and they'll start hearing that he's playing well and they'll be coming to see him, I would have thought. Um, in terms of losing him this season, you know, I think the, the moment we're in right now, um, you would hope, because we obviously we gave him that contract extension and I think part of the reason for that is we've, we've probably thought, well, you know, there is, there is a there is a chance someone comes in for him. And I would hope if someone wants to take him this season, they'd be paying a, you know, a lot of money for him. Um, because I think at the moment, I would say he's one of our, he's become one of our key players. Um, you know, if staying up at the moment, staying up looks a much tougher job if we didn't have him in goals. And I would be, He's one of the players I think you'd be fighting tooth and nail to keep at least to the end of the season. You know, if, yeah. if, he keeps, if he keeps playing like this and he keeps improving, I would imagine you will get full-time teams kind of circling the waters in the summer, but they still yeah. have to keep them in the summer. Yeah, you wonder, I mean, you wonder what the you wonder what the contract sort of situation is, though. Whether it's one of these, you know, you, you've signed me from Celtic or whatever, but if a full-time club comes in then not I'm off. Get to go for nothing, but do you know what I mean? We've talked about this before. There's always a bit of annoyance in lower league football when I remember, you know, Wraith have had two or three good examples in the last few years of players that have just basically buggered off for pretty much nothing. Um but, but imagine, you might have this thing where, you know, maybe a full time club might come in and buy him for the summer, but he plays for us to the end of the season. Yeah. Because I don't I don't imagine there'll be too many full time clubs going in and saying you know, we need Jude Smith right now. They'll be looking at him and saying, you know, he's a he's what, 18, 19. We think he's going to be a cracking keeper. We'll take him next year. You know, I'm maybe, a, to you. maybe a Nathan Austin type thing where it's like, ah, he yeah. plays for us to the end of the season. 
I, th- I think most teams who are potentially interested in him would be happy with that. And for us, that would be massive. I, yeah. I would also imagine that most clubs will keep watching him for the rest of the season. I mean, as you say, he's only... I mean, I'd be surprised if he's played double-figure games for us, was he? Don't think no. So. No. I mean, I, I would think clubs will... He'll be on their radar as one of these long-term prospects to keep looking at and they'll get, you know, reports every week and then maybe in the summer they might go, right, we'll, we'll make a move for him. But no, I think I think it's been really refreshing. It's, it's, nice, it's just nice seeing young kids coming through with no fear and just going, you know, Aaron yeah. Steele's another great example of someone that's just, you know, grabbed the bulls by the horns and gone, I'm more than good enough at this level and I'll, I'm happy to show it. I think... Going slightly back to the Airdrie, Airdrie are proper banging form though. They've you know they've been they turned over Falkirk at their place, and I think that was always going to be a in many ways a tougher game than the Queen's Park one because I, I don't think the Queen's Park fans are massive fans of their manager, so that might change shortly soon as well. By all accounts, yeah, I, I, I don't post them for Pie and Poverty, but I peruse very rarely and. I seen the, the the entitlement for the Queen's Park fans, sort of saying that you know we deserve better. I'm like, you, you were an amateur club a couple of years ago. Wind your neck in, like you've been basement dwellers for as long as I can remember. Like literally, wind your neck in. But anyway, a bit about Airdrie yesterday. So there's two things that I've got written down here. Um, the first word begins with an F, and the second word is Newlands. Um, I I've never in my life gave an official as much abuse as I did Newlands yesterday. Now, I've been a referee. It's awful getting that abuse. He hates us. And that's not something that I say, like, lightly. You know, but when there's a bit of a pattern, you know, all like it's, I think it was Andy English that pointed out yesterday, way back to when Fash got sent off against Queen's Park at Hamden, there's been a pattern that he gives some very, very strange decisions against us. And the Kieran Miller one yesterday was baffling. Absolutely baffling, because the first one's not even a yellow. It's a 50-50. They're both going for the ball. You know, Miller, like, and look, I think that we've shown in this podcast that we can be objective and say, you know, like the Dan Higgins one at Airdrie, I, I felt it was a red card. A lot of people didn't. Um, I the, the, the Kieran Miller one, first one, wasn't a yellow card. You know, they both go for the ball, the other guy comes off worse, so Miller gets the yellow card. Shortly before that, Ryan Wallace literally gets Chuck Norris roundhouse kicked in the face, not a yellow card showing, didn't even get the free kick. He gave the free kick the other way. And then the second half, I mean, Easton is literally, don't get me wrong, he's absolutely turned Miller. Like, Miller's literally in dubby side and, you know, Easton's pretty much at the, the, the other end of the leaving. Um, and, you know, he, he sort of sticks a leg out, but I don't think there's an awful lot of contact there. Easton goes down like he's shot, and by the way, he is so guilty for being a diver and trying to get people sent off. It's unbelievable. And you could actually see the semi in Newlands as he runs up to pull the card out for that. Now, he's not going anywhere near the goal. It's not in a dangerous position. He's not, you know, last man. He's not any of that stuff. But then he, he, second, he gives him the second card. And the people around me go, are actually going, you know, I don't even think that it was barely a foul. You know what I mean? It was a, like, obviously it was a foul, but it was never a yellow card in a million years, let alone the first one. And, you know, I, I, I'd said on social media today, I hope we can appeal it, but because it's two yellows that we can't unless it's mis- uh, mistaken identity. I think that the only mistaken identity in there is the fact that Newland thinks he's a referee. Because some of the decisions that he made, not just yesterday, but every game we've had us, had them, and, I mean, surely you've got to hope that that he's been observed at that game yesterday and there's nobody walking off thinking he's had a good game. And the same with the stand side um, assistant referee who was essentially like like an, a painting at an art gallery yesterday, just stood there to be looked at, never contributed anything throughout the entire match. And Darren was going off his dinger, and I don't blame him. Everybody around me was... I can't remember, honestly, Gordon, a worse refereeing performance than what I witnessed yesterday. I've not, I've, I've not been, I've not thought the referees had a worse game than that for a long time. And I think generally referees are improving. Maybe don't, maybe it doesn't come across that way. But I, I feel you talk about refs less these days than you did 10, 15 years ago. Um, but 
he was shocking yesterday. I thought the two yellows for Miller were very, both of them were very, very weak. Like you say, the first one, it did just look like they came together. The Edra guy obviously came off worse, yellow card. Uh, second one, to me, it's not an obvious professional foul, and it's just like, yeah, yellow card. Now, he seemed to be determined to keep his cards in his pocket every time Airdrie would commit and fouls. Yeah. Um, and actually, you know, you could see that, you know, there was some challenges for Airdrie that you thought, that's got to be a yellow. But because he doesn't, it's like he's ramping up the, the pressure a wee bit. Um, I felt Miller's first booking, um, you know, the, the reason they could probably justify giving it is because, you know, a minute later, uh, a minute before, Airdrie, I can't remember what happened, but um, he really could have booked an Airdrie player and he didn't. And you could see these five players getting frustrated by that. And to me, I was like, maybe Miller's just felt a bit of frustration and he's gone in a bit tougher. And that's how, you know, that's how he's justified giving him the yellow. But I don't really think Kieran Miller deserved to get sent off yesterday. Aye, referee was poor. You just had this feeling that he will give us nothing. Especially that Ryan Wallace one where you're like, all right, free kick to us, finally. Oh, no, no, no. It's actually free kick to them. Um, I can't say he's a referee that I've really noticed before. Um, but I, he was poor yesterday. And usually I don't, I find myself not really criticising referees too much these days. Um, I think the standard's improved. But that's the thing, when when a referee has a game like that, there's there's no recourse to it. You know, um, nobody will come out and criticise the ref. Nobody will come out and criticise the, the assistant refs. Nothing will get done. It'll close ranks and that's that. Always been the way of it. Always will be. It's frustrating. Yeah. I think the, the the Ryan Wallace one when Ryan gets kicked in the head, I'm like, oh, wait, perfect. We're going to get a free kick here and that'll be in a dangerous position. And he blows. And I turned around to speak to, speak to someone. And I turned around and he's pointing the other way. And I'm like, yeah. is is he giving a free kick for Ryan headbutting his foot? Because it's the only thing I could literally see that he's did giving he, it for. Did he think that he'd maybe gone in low with the head because they give free kicks for that I don't know whether whether it was or not I never saw it on the highlights it didn't look that particularly low to me that, that's pretty much the exact comment I made at the time is that oh is that is that a free kick for him he's like headbutting his foot um, yeah. it, it didn't look dangerously low to me um, it was a that was a weird one a very weird one there's one thing that I will say there's, there's one thing I was going to say look Newland's decisions yesterday didn't lose his faith again we weren't the better time on the day. Aside of um, Pat Slattery, you know, the ball landing at him, literally any other player in the park scores that for us yesterday. But yeah. Unfortunately, it lands to Pat and he managed to sclaff it wide. Apart from that, we didn't really create an awful lot. Every shot didn't really feel like it was really going to go in. I mean, even when that ball fell to, say, a Bonsu, I, I never felt convinced that he was going to stick it in the net and you know we deservedly in my opinion lost yesterday to a better team um, you know Airdrie are far and away the best, best side I've seen what a player Dylan Easter is what a player Frizzle is I liked him at Dumbarton last year and I'd love to ask to sign him but you know we were a mile off it with, with that as well I mean you know Scott Agnew contributed essentially nothing yesterday um, so I wasn't really concerned too much about him, although I was thinking that there was almost a stick on that him or Watson were going to score or assist and celebrate in front of us yesterday. Um, but to be fair, even when they scored, it was it was great to see that none of them did the sort of whole Bobby Barr thing and they were giving it like the get up here to these five fans of that. So shout out to them for, for not being be Neds in that sense. But, you know, like I say, a, a 1-0 defeat is fair enough. The last part, that I've written down here before we go into the 3 to one is the substitutions made yesterday. Now, for those of you on our social media um, team seen that I got an absolute pummeling from a guy called Ian, um, but apparently a few weeks ago I'd insisted that we bring a sale bond suit on against Dumbarton. Um, not something I remember saying, but fair enough. I've, I've, I actually think I've pretty much said every week that I'm not sure what a sale bond suit offers in-game. Um, and he brings him on yesterday for, for Liam Watt. Now, that to me wasn't the sub to make at that time. 
Um, I think Liam Watt was, you know, potentially tied in. You know, he gives his all, he buzzes about the park for the entire match that he's on. Like the Queen's Park game, I don't understand when you've got someday Kevin Smith's quality sitting on the bench, why you're not bringing him on. And for me, yesterday, that was the game for him. Personally, and I'll, I'll, I'll come to you guys as well, the subs that I would have made would have been... Um, Liam Watt for Kevin Smith you stick Kevin Smith up front with Connell and just drop Wallace in behind them and go th- three up or, or just you know sort of attacking midfielder and behind the front too because Kevin uses his smarts he brings his players into play he draws fills and he can score goals and he can just be that little bit of a cutting edge of a difference to bring a Seal Bonsu on at that point was, was mind-boggling like honestly completely mind-boggling and Everybody around me said pretty much the same thing and all the messages that we, we got in our mailbag pretty much confirmed that as well, that, that nobody thought that was a sub to make. You know, the Jamie Semple one I could understand, maybe not for Connell, um, who I felt was was really sort of grown into the game at that point. I felt like he was, he was going to have that chance to create something then. But the... I, I, do you think Kevin Smith's done something to Darren? Because essentially, since Ryan Wallace has been back, Kevin's not had a Smith, a, a Smith, <laughs> a Smith. Hey, what can I quickly ask? Just because I, I wasn't there, what, did Osei Bonsu come on before Miller was sent off? Yes. He um, came on give me two seconds. I'll check. All I know is that Bonsu came on and did absolutely nothing. No, no, I'm like, just, I'm, I'm, I'm being purely, um, whatever the word is, um, just because I'm, the only thing he's got, which he showed a couple of times against Montrose when Gordon and I were there, is he is quick. So the only thought was that maybe he could stretch the play. He, but, he came yeah. on before. So He came on the yeah. 74th minute and Kim Miller was sent off in the 79th. Because the only thing I would say is, if you're suddenly having to defend a bit more, he would be the last player you would bring on. So yeah. maybe it's just a case of bringing a guy on to do an attacking thing and then suddenly, oh no, we have to shift in a more defensive mould. I, I don't think he's up to it at all, but I'm just playing devil's advocate, that's the word. Yeah. Um, do you know what I mean? Because I, I, he, he has got a little bit of pace and you know he's shown it in very small flashes, um, but that's the only thing I can I can think Look, I mean, the, the lad's clearly got some form of talent and obviously talking about Isaiah Bonsu, he's like one of the youngest players to ever play from MK Dons. MK Dons are a, a pretty large team down south. You know, you don't get there without having some ability. Apart from that quick flip-flap that he did at Peterhead and assist to go there, I'm yet to see him contribute anything. He, he sort of just moves side to side. And I mean, even when he got the ball yesterday, he just sort of ran into trouble with it and, and lost possession. I think his deal's up in January. And if I'm if I'm Darren, I wouldn't be extending that. I really wouldn't be extending that. I don't think that he's shown enough to me personally that he's good enough for this level. Darren obviously sees something that we don't see and whether that's in training or whatever, I don't know. But I mean... Gordon, Doug, I'll ask you both outright, one more answer. January coming up, would you keep a sale bond to yes or no? No. Doug? No. And I no, think I, that's I, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think he will. I mean, he'll be giving them these little opportunities to try and prove himself, and he's not. So I would imagine that will be a, a short-lived stay for sure. Cool. Because I think for me, Davidson's coming back. Um, he's was in full training, so we should see him back in the next two to three weeks, hopefully anyway. And I think that he's a great addition back to the team. So him coming back is probably perfect timing for Bonsu's contract being up. And do you want to know what? Fair play to Bonsu. He came up to Scotland from down south, tried to t- test his cell at this level. And I think you know Mike even said at the time, you know, if you're sending boys from St Ives, you know that that's levels below where we are. He's, he's gave it a chance and look it's, it's not worked out for any of us and you know you can definitely occasionally pick up a wee gem from down there you know you take a wee chance on the boy as you say and, yeah. and you know you, you might get a little diamond in the rough but 
we, we've not. We've got a wee, a wee joby in the park. <laughs> That's a bit harsh, but <laughs> moving on. <laughs> right, before we move on, gentlemen, we'll do the three two ones for yesterday. Um, do you want to go first this week, Gordon? Yeah, um, well, three points is easy. It's Jude Smith. Like we've said, fantastic, uh, particularly that save for the header. Um, I wouldn't blame him for the goal. It's a one-on-one and it's a very good finish for Gallagher, but he was excellent. Um, the rest, I've got to say, like not too many. It was a very good team performance and generally a kind of high standard, but not not too many kind of individual performances stood out for me. But I've given the two points to Aaron Steele. I just, again, very solid, exactly what you expect from him these days. And maybe weirdly, I've given a one point to Kieran Miller. Uh, he got sent off, obviously. I don't think he really deserved it, so I don't think he, you know, kind of sold the jersey or let the team down. But I, I, he thought he was excellent. He was putting in some really good tackles. And I thought that kind of, you know, having that bite in midfield from the start was was good. So, aye, good to see that back. Well, I'm actually really surprised because I thought ours would be identical and they're not. Um, the first one, obviously, is, you know, Jude Smith, for me, was well worthy of the, the three points and, and kept the scoreline um, kept the scoreline down. And he was the same at, at Queen's Park, made some some really important saves and these things could be really helpful when it comes to the goal difference down the line. My two points that I'm shocked you haven't given him any points is Conor McManus, who I thought was excellent yesterday. It's just the um, goal. But, you know, it's, it's that to me is not... I would say that would be harsh on McManus as an individual error because he's, he's slid in to try and stop the ball, and he has, and it's just a case of that he's not got enough on it. Considering he played out of possession yesterday, the amount of times that he was calm in possession, brought the ball out, made some really important tackles and blocks in the box, two points, you know, I almost gave him my three points, to be honest. If it wasn't for the the, the fact that Jude was completely outstanding yesterday, you know, McManus would definitely have been worth three points for me. And yeah, I'm, the people that I normally get texts asking, uh, giving me their three two ones in advance, all included him in it. So there you go. Maybe you're wrong, Gordon. Um, and a point. I think I've just been harsh on him. I've just gone like, oh no, he could have done better with the goal. Zero. Whereas, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Definitely a bit harsh um, on McManus there. And a point, look, you know, we might as well just call this season the Aaron Steele trophy because I think that he's probably going to win it by a considerable distance. But another point for Aaron Steele, who, again, maybe one hairy moment I had in my notes where he gave possession away but did enough to, to get it back in and, and put it into the, the stand at Airdrie. And yeah, just a, a player again that just gets better and better by the week. And I think that he'll be another one that a lot of clubs will be watching and I would hope that we could maybe maybe do some smart business and, and offer him even more money towards the end of the season because we're going to need him um, and I would rather him have a good wage so that people really have to pay a fee for him and really have to pay a fee for Jude if they want to buy him at the contract. Steals are, yeah, I mean, to be honest, when he was on loan last year, I was actually surprised how long it took him to get to be starting this season. Because I think even when he was on loan, you know, he just looked very, very assured, very solid, didn't look out of place at all. Um, and at that point, he probably would have been just 18, I, I, I would imagine. Um, the, the McManus one, quickly going back to, it's, it's a little bit of a masterstroke, actually, that putting him back in centre-half. Because when you actually think about it, he should make a good centre-half, because he's quite a tall guy, so he can win plenty of headers. He's got a bit about him on the ball, so he can be that centre half that plays the football. Yeah. So yeah, I, I never ever ever thought about him playing centre half, but because we all sort of said he sometimes feels a little not lost in midfield, but he just yeah. he's a one in six or seven games where he's very good, and then he just disappears a wee bit. So no, it's been it's been quite an interesting move that one. To to, but, make, to make up to Conor McManus, I did have a three two one for the Queen's Park game. Just in case, and I gave three points of steel, two to Smith, and one to McManus because I thought he was really, really good in that game. To be honest, yeah, that's the exact same as mine. 
<laughs> um, I just feel like you to that and means is the exact same for that one. Oh, friends, points, friends. Um, yeah, definitely. Um, McManus had two good games in the bounce because obviously he did have to move back in at the centre and a half position. And look, like you say, Doug, it could potentially be a masterstroke. Could this be the first time that Darren's played a player out of position and it's worked? Who knows? We can find it in next week's episode. Um, but look, I want to go on now and we'll move away from East Fife for the last 15 minutes of the show and and be able to talk about Scotland and, and positivity and, and a good result all round. I think it could have definitely done with being a bit more comprehensive. Um, I do think that, you know, Shea Adams has been an improvement on what we've had, but still not what we need, if that makes any sense. Like, he definitely needs to be more clinical. We... If you have a look at teams around us that are of similar ilk, I would say that Czech Republic are, are one of those. You know, they've got a couple of decent players, like they've got Suchek and, and that as well. But their big difference is their striker and and Schick, and he is a top, top-class striker. And we don't have that. You have a look at Wales. Player for player, we're better than Wales. But they've got Gareth Bale, who is still a top, top-class player. I don't think that we've got that. And I think that we've said on, on shows before that what we've got is a, a group of good individuals, but we really lack some class up top, Doug. We we never have, though. Like, in my lifetime of watching Scotland, we've never really had that proper going-to-score-a-lot-of-goal striker. I mean, Kenny Miller's probably been our best in in my lifetime to be here. Do you, yeah. What I loved about um, Friday night was... It's the first time I can remember watching Scotland away in a must-win game against a minnow, and we've—it's been very comfortable. I know they had the missed penalty, but I thought we played some great stuff. We really, really pummeled them for mo- the majority of that game, which you don't see very often. Um, but the best bit of the game by a mile was Tierney's tackle at the penalty. Yeah. Was—I mean, I—I I, I was in Saudi Arabia and I'd taken my. Uh, I call it dodgy box. Yeah, my illegal television over with me. So I had all, all basically all the boys around for the two weeks because there's nothing to do there because Saudis are mental. Um, and yeah, the, the, there was more of a roar when that tackle went in than either of the goals. It was brilliant. But no, I thought they were. Good. I thought it was good. I thought it was a really good performance. In terms of players that are world class in their position, we're very fortunate we've got Andy Robertson who's arguably the best left back in the world just now or one off and you've got Kieran Tierney who probably isn't far behind him and it's just unfortunate that he's in the squad the same time as Andy Robertson but you start looking at that right hand side now and Nathan Patterson what a player and it's actually a bit of a shame for him that obviously like James Tavenier's the captain at Rangers and he's going to be quite difficult to oust but if I'm his agent I would be saying to Rangers, well, look, look at how well he's playing in a massive stage. Either you play him or I'm going to move him to someone else that he will get a game every week because he could go in and play at a championship level team probably fairly easily. Um, I know that there was rumours of Everton and stuff looking at him, but we really want him to go and start playing every week because he's only going to get better and better. His finish for his goal was very, very good. But I actually think his assist for his goal was better because the angle that he was at, it was very, very difficult to get that ball behind the defender. And he does that well. And obviously Adams has to sort of adjust his position. And he does that well, to be fair to him, to get the goal. But how exciting is it to have like a crop of the players that we've got coming through? Because, I mean, you know, Ralston's obviously been called up for, for tomorrow night now and he's in excellent form. You've got Patterson, you've got Tierney still young, you've got Jack Hendry who looks like he's going to grow and grow and, and get better and better. I mean, obviously he's playing against the likes of PSG and Man City in, in the Champions League, which is great to see. You've got Scott McTominay who's still really young, John McGinn's still youngish. You know, you're looking at our team and as they're growing up, it looks like we could actually have an actual core of players that are going to be there rather than all right, well, maybe such and such has had a wee bit of form. He'll come in for a wee bit, but then he'll drop out. And I think that that's what Steve Clark's doing, Gordon. That he's, you know, a lot of people really disappointed that the likes of Ryan Gold, um, Johnny Russell, 
Anthony Ralston didn't make the initial squad. Calvin Ramsey didn't make the initial squad. And he stuck with players that, you know, like O'Donnell, who probably towards the end of his career and, you know, you know he had a decent Euros and, you know, we kind of criticised him a wee bit during the Euros. But it looks like Clark's dead set on creating a team or a club team mentality at international level. Yeah, it's one of the things you see with Scotland for years and part of it might be just because we just never had good enough players, but it does look now like, you know, you can see the template for how we're trying to play. You can reel off, you know, if everyone's fit, you kind of know largely what the team's going to be and a lot of those guys are young enough that they're going to be there for a, a really decent spell of time. You really... I think when you look at the kind of starting 11, it's really only Craig Gordon that, you know, isn't going to be around for, say, Euro 2024. You know, the rest of the team will be. Um, and it's largely because you've got good players now. You know, you've got good players who are at a good age. Um, and I, it was, you know, even a few years ago, it was so frustrating that Robertson and Tierney played the same position. And you're like, we don't, we've got two you know, at least one, maybe arguably two world-class left-backs and no right-backs. Uh, and now you've got Patterson coming through who's looking really, really good. He's impressed me and he's still young. He hasn't really played much for Scotland or Rangers, but you think to yourself, oh, he could grow into that. Um, and it's, you know, it's so limiting when you, there was games with Scotland where you're like, you know, we're dangerous down the left and then we've got nothing anywhere else. It's so much easier to defend against. Now, if teams kind of double up on our left side, you know, you're just leaving space for more players. But I think definitely the last five games have been fantastic. You know, we've, we've ground out a few wins, but five wins on the trot in competitive games. I think I saw some stat that we haven't done that since 1995, since qualifying for Euro 96. That's excellent. And... First time we've qualified, um, finished second in the group since 2006 when we got Netherlands and we beat them at Hamden yeah. and then I think they cuffed us away. Oh, that I think that was even earlier. I think that was for that was you. 2003, 2004. 2004. Yeah. It was for you. 2006, you're right. I, I, think, I think the one thing for me is Clark's completely won me over. Yeah. I was very sceptical at the start. It was a bit... I didn't think the football was that great, um, but I, I'm so much on board with what he's doing. Like the the gold Johnny Russell thing, I, I think the American League uh, rubbish. Hold on, hold on, right? Before you blaspheme either Brian Gold or Johnny Russell, remember Michael edits his podcast and he knows no, where no, you... No. I, that, that's fine. I, I, I don't think it's at the level that we need players to be playing at. Generally don't. I think, I don't see Ryan Gold being better than uh, Stuart Armstrong, Christie, those kind of players. I don't think he gets in ahead of them at all. For me, anyway. Wow. Um, um, Stuart Armstrong is pish, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> like, I genuinely do not rate I thought, him. I, I, thought he, I thought he did the other night. He, he had a couple of times the final thing didn't work out for him, but no, I, I I don't think. As I say, Gold's only doing well because he's playing in a, in a poor league. He was, you know, in my opinion, I don't think he is. Russell, I could maybe make a wee case for being in the squad, but I don't think either would make a huge difference right now. I would go on a limb, and I'll ask our listeners the same thing. I reckon if Ryan Gold was in the Southampton squad, he would do a better job than Sean Armstrong. He, I think he, he's taking the I think he's taking the payday in the lifestyle of Canada slash MLS because I know for a fact that there was clubs from the Premier League looking at him, but I think he was offered more money out in MLS and probably a chance to be a bigger fish in a smaller pond. Um, don't get me wrong, I don't think he would do it as well as he's doing in the MLS, but equally there's an argument that you pick your form players as well. And Ryan Gold is banging form. I think that the other reason that we potentially haven't taken them is the whole COVID regulations and bringing in a player from the US and them having to then go back and isolate when they're in really like the sort of peak end of their season. I think that we'll see Ryan Gold in the Scotland squad next season. If, if it was me, I'd, I would like 
you know, I think he's maybe got something to add to the squad. I, I don't see him going into the first 11. But I would like to... I would like to see him, you know, whether it's kind of friendlies, you know, we don't have too many friendlies anymore, Nations League games or something. I think there's a there's a good shout that he should, you know, should be in the squad. But then I suppose you think to yourself, does, do you want to give him a call and like, do you want to fly over from Canada and sit on the bench in a Nations League game against, well, it'll be Israel. Um, <laughs> that's a tough one, you know, is he, is he going to, is he going to, how good you have to be in MLS before you think Steve Clark thinks to himself, I am going to, you know, I'm going to put John McGinn on the bench and start you. It's a tough one. But I want to see him involved. I want to kind of have a look at him at that level. And I'm surprised Steve Clark hasn't at least done that. But that that's the thing. There's no communication as to say, look, you know, we're not, I'm not bringing him in because. You know that he's in the right in the crux of his MLS season and getting him over here and back. Covid regulations, it's not going to work. But we are keeping an eye on him. What I would quite like to see from Ryan Gold is obviously the MLS season's coming up to, to closing now. And if you think uh, the Premier League in the past, them bringing in like was it Landon Donovan used to come over pretty much every summer and, and sign for uh, every winter and sign for Everton and Thierry Henry came back and played for Arsenal and stuff. There's an argument there that you could be saying, well, Ryan Gold, he's young and he's fit enough that teams, even in the Championship or the, the Premier League or maybe even like a Rangers or a Celtic could sign him for a couple of months and say, right, come over, play some football, get yourself. Because if, if surely, you know, as a Scottish boy, he wants to play for the national team. Steve Clark should be saying, right, get yourself over here and be in the country at least. And then when we're going to have our games in sort of March time, um, for our playoff, that is is making a, a case for himself to be in that squad. But he's maybe he's maybe also looked at and gone if you've had the opportunity to go to a Premier League team or whatever, and you've taken a payday to join the American Soccer League, then you're not showing them you're not showing the ambition to play for Scotland. Maybe that's a, a very you're loving the devil's advocate role today, Doug. No, no, I'm just, I, I like Ryan Gold. I think he's good. I mean, my only worry is that he had that season on loan at Hibs and apparently it was awful. He's had a good season that, for the bottom team in Portugal and then suddenly we think he's the best player in the world because he's playing for Vancouver. I, 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 I just think that that league is... He was named in the Portuguese team. Yeah, I know, but, but that doesn't necessarily... Yeah, because he was doing very well for a terrible team. But equally, there's a lot of players that are doing well for terrible teams that are in the Scotland squad. Billy Gilmore is not even getting a kick of the ball for Norwich. Yeah, no, no, no. I think he's different. He's a different level completely. Um, no, I, I do. I think part of it will be maybe the fact that he's not shown any ambition and decided to go and cash in in the retirees league over there. Michael's going to love this for me. To <laughs> <laughs> I, I fully expect <laughs> an abusive <laughs> message. I, I mean, I said at the time, I thought it was a very, very strange move for him. Yeah. Very strange. Like, fair enough, he's he's being, you know, lauded as a, a, their best player or whatever now, and he'll be adored by the fans, which is obviously great for anyone. But I just think it's a, it's a strange time of his career to make that move at a time when there was clubs after him. It's hard I to prove yourself there. Clubs, will, clubs and national teams will always think, ah, you know, you're doing well there, but... You know, is that going to translate to whatever level we're at? Um, yeah. But I think the thing with Steve Clark is one of these things. You're winning games. People might ask questions, but nobody's going to nobody's going to bother that much about you know whether he picks Ryan Gold or not. Um, if we've been losing these games, you know, maybe he's got more questions to answer. But while we're winning, do it how you like. Basically, is bad. <laughs> It's difficult because even in that starting line, you've got Christie not playing, and apparently Christie's been unreal for Bournemouth this season. So it's, it, I just, I just don't see where he fits in right now, personally. Um, but yeah, no, hopefully he kicks on and maybe gets a wee chance. The difficulty now with international football is you don't have friendlies anymore. Yeah. So it is very hard. And look at like Wales again, and and for Scotland in the Euros, that Nations League is really important. Yeah. So it's not like you can just take a wee chance on someone. I don't think playing gold would be taking a chance as, as such, but 
you know, if you if you do that and then you lose a game against someone you shouldn't, then people will be like, you know, why are you why are you calling up guys from Mickey Mouse leagues? Oh dear Lord, God rest your soul when Michael comes back next week. I tell you that. So look to, to wrap up the show, Clyde next week. I want your predictions um, first and foremost, and then I think we need to talk quickly, very quickly about whether you think that result is the the last sort of the, the final straw um, in terms of how much longer to give them. So, quick response from both of you, and we might actually get this show wrapped up in just over an hour. Uh, I, I, I'll go first. I am weirdly confident, even though it's away from home. I think my prediction will be David Goodwillie one East five two. Um, I also think if I also think if we lose, I, I think the the ship has sailed on Sacking Young. Not for me. I'm just meaning from the board. I, I think. I think. I think the last few weeks has bought him time because I think the players are playing for him. So I think that'll be enough for the board to... I mean, obviously, if we got absolutely pumped by Clyde, but I can't see that at all. The, defensively, how we're playing just now, I can't see us getting turned over by them. But now I'm quite, quietly confident we might pull off a wee win. Well, I was going to say, I've got exactly the same prediction. Uh, 2-1 to East Fife, the one being David Goodley. Um if we, if we play like we have the last few games, I think we'll win. I think even if we play a wee bit worse, we could still win. Um, but pretty much that, as long, as long as we don't go there and you know massively shit the bed, for me there's not a there's not there's not a question mark over whether this is like you know the end of Dan Young or not. Can I just say that shit the bed is genuinely my favourite expression? It is one of the greatest. It is one. Of the greatest. <laughs> also, also, can I just quickly say if David Goodwill he does score on Saturday. Should we consider him for a call up to the Scotland squad? Just I'm just like sort of levels about where players are playing stuff. I'm not even going to dignify that with a squad. <laughs> no, please, I'm really no, not. Please. I'm really not because I think that genuinely you're going to end up getting us cancelled. To be honest, <laughs> um, <laughs> so I'm going to just quickly. I'm going to go at like Bazo as well. And I'm going to say we're going to win 3 0 next week. I reckon that we're due someday an absolute hiding, right? And I think it's coming. I reckon that literally they're going to be playing Eye the Tiger in the dressing room. Sylvester Stallone's going to come in and go, Mizro, do, Mizro, do. And we're just going to go out and absolutely hammer them. Um, and I reckon that we'll be turned up in the first half. That is my prediction. What we have um, established, though, is what I know about football is essentially fuck all, so we'll probably get beat 5-0, but we'll, we'll wait and see what, what happens. And as for the Darren Young question, you know, I'm probably more in the line with you, Gord, uh, with you Doug. I'm still ambivalent whether he stays or goes. Um, I would probably still more kind of urge that we've not shown enough in some of the games, but our form just now is a lot better. And... I still don't think we'll go down. You know, there's, I'm kind of thinking that, that we're better than Clyde and Dumbarton are kind of showing them true selves now. Um, I, I reckon that it's between us three for the bottom three spots. I think that Peter Heather, on, that they seem to get some big results when they need a big result. So I reckon that they'll probably finish seventh, but it's between, I reckon Clyde will finish bottom and it's between us or Dumbarton for, for ninth and Hopefully their form continues to go the, the way it goes and, and we could turn them over when we get the opportunity. The games around us next week, though, um, are pretty big. So Dumbarton are going away to Aloha, who are banging form just now. Um, you've got, obviously, us versus Clyde. And then you've got Peterhead at home to Queen's Park. Now, we really need Queen's Park to do us a favour. Um, and actually start winning some games because if we win next week, um, that would and Peterhead lose, that puts us bang on points with Peterhead and obviously two points, um, sorry, a point ahead of Clyde at that. Then we play Banks OD in the cup before we then get back to league business the, the following week. So how the league's shaping up just now if you're, you're living under a rock you've got Airdrie at the top of the league at 26 points you've got Cove in second place at 25 Queen's Park 
um, in third place on 23. Montrose, who did, had a great comeback yesterday, I actually thought they'd lost until I checked the scores this morning, um, on 22 points. Falkirk on 22 points. Uh, Falkirk seem to be turning a corner a wee bit just now, um, and that is a statement and not a question. You've got Alawa on 19 points, Dumbarton on 15, Peterhead on 14, Clyde on 13, and us languishing um, in last place at 11, and it's still a minus 16 goal difference, which kind of makes me want to chunder a little bit, but we move. So, like again, you've said that our last three games have been against the, the top three teams in the league. Um, that's right, Airdrie, Queen's Park... And we had Dumbarton. Played the top four in the last five games. Yeah. So really, we've got to start hitting our read on the form now. If we're going to get out of this, let's get every game won, really, between now and Christmas is massive. And we'd really see a, a nice wee turnaround before we get there. But before we wrap up, gents, you got anything you want to, to add? Uh, not really. Nothing too exciting. No. Are you both both available for, for next week's show? Uh, I won't be. I'm in Spain. It's the last event of the season. I don't think I will be. I may be able to watch the game on a stream. I don't think I'll be available for the show. That is far from ideal because I'm working next Saturday, so I won't see the game. Um, I would be able to record, however, um, I would not have seen the match. So if you're listening to this and quite fancy your, your chances of being the next Gordon Henderson, Doug Perry or James Smale or even Michael McCall, um, who's due to be returning to us next week, um, give us a shout and we'd, if we feel that you'll fit into our our little team then we'll, we'll bring you on board but if not and we can't get anybody unfortunately there won't be a show next week and the following week it's my turn to be in Spain Doug um, so perhaps it'll need to be down to one of you gentlemen or Michael to, to host that show but that's all from us at Glory Days Go this week we hope you've enjoyed the show thanks as always for listening and yeah take care and more importantly on the five. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life. <laughs>